I want to share with you two points that I have drawn out of the eighth chapter of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 8. And there are two significant things that are done in these verses that I hope can be a blessing to you as you view with me, follow along with me, that which God did and continues to do in our lives. Genesis chapter 8. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. I want to read from verse 8 through to about verse 12. Genesis chapter 8. Then God remembered Noah. You know, every time I read that, I say amen. Just those few were, and God remembered Noah. Isn't that amazing? After the storm, after the deluge, after the flood, after the seclusion in the ark for more than 150 days, God did not forget his man. Wow, what an amazing God. It tells me that God remembers us. When we are going through the storms of our lives, when we are climbing our mountains and descending our valleys, valleys and things are tough or things are good and we are sailing smoothly, whatever the situation in life with us, uh, we have a God who knows us. Wow, he remembers us. Sometimes we think, uh, where is God, eh? Leave here today remembering that God knows you. And God remembered Noah and every living thing. And all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. And the waters subsided. You know, sometimes we read the Bible. And we, we are so anxious to move on to complete our assigned reading that we don't slow down and and think about the essential word you know I, I just want to slow down and say to you that every word in scripture has value can you say amen to that every sentence has value there is a concept about God in every sentence when I read God made a wind that significant concept eh? the wind did not come from just anywhere it wasn't just a natural thing that happened God made a wind to pass over the entire earth. And the water subsided. The fountains of the deep and the, the windows of heaven were also stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. 
Wow, God is doing big business here, eh? This is great stuff. The rain stopped. The rain was restrained from heaven. Verse 3 says, And the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. God is onto something. He's in big business. And the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. Verse 6, so it came to pass at the end of 40 days. How many days? At the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove. To see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot. And she returned into the ark to him. For the waters on the face. For the waters were on the face of the entire earth. Look at the last sentence in this. You know. Can I tell you something friends. Next time when you're reading the Bible. Maybe you know this. Maybe you are doing it. I just want to say it again. Maybe it's nothing new to you. When you are doing your personal Bible study, slow down. Don't rush it. Slow down and digest every sentence. Look at this sentence. The dove that Noah sent out uh, came back. And the scripture says... Uh, so he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark to himself. That is very significant, you know. Consider who the dove represents. Are you thinking that? Think of who the dove in this context represents. We're going to get into that a little bit. But also think of the fact that Noah, rather, yes, Noah was, was, was willing to reach out his hand and receive. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove which did not return to him anymore let us ask the Lord's blessing on his word father in heaven Today, in this beautiful setting of worship, 
with hearts lifted up to you, Lord. In the quietude of this precious and powerful moment, we ask, Lord, that your divine grace and your spirit will be upon each one of us. Attend to our hearts, our minds. Fill us with grace and the spirit of understanding. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 150 years, rather 150 days had now passed. The earth was now cleansed. All living things outside the ark had died. God was ready to begin the repopulation. The revegetation, if you please, the restoration of the earth. What we sometimes refer to as the antediluvian world, the world in the time of Noah, that world that the scripture says was full of violence and wickedness to the extent the scripture says that God repented that he made man. Is that what the scripture says? Mm-hmm. And God decided that he's going to begin a brand new world with a small nucleus of humanity. 150 days of flood waters, of rising waters, had now come to an end, and God is ready to settle Noah and his family back on the earth. But in the process of doing that, I want you not to miss two points that I want to make in this message. The first one is that God is prepared and ready for re revegetation, repopulation, renewal, and restoration of the earth. But the first significant thing I see in this passage that God did, the scripture says, and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters subsided. The first thing that God did, God is ready for action. Renewal and restoration, repopulation, new world. God is about to do something significant. But the scripture says he begins by allowing a wind to pass over the earth. Now that wind is special. That wind is significant because it's not the first time. That God is going to allow that wind to pass over the earth. It's not the first time. I want you now to make the connection with me between what I have just read in Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Because the Hebrew word that is used, you know the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, right? The word that is used for wind 
In Genesis chapter 8 verse 1, the Hebrew word is ruah, R-U-A-H in English, ruah. And it simply means, it has two meanings. It means wind as well as it means spirit. So when the scripture says, and God allow a wind to pass over the earth, it actually means that God allowed his divine powerful, loving, and gracious spirit to pass over the entire earth. Ruah, the wind or the spirit of God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us the same thing. Genesis 1 verse 2 says, And the earth was without what? Form and void, a, a voidless uh, world, formless world. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what, what do you see next? And the Spirit of God did what? Hoovered over the face of the deep, over the face of the waters. In other words, the roar of God, the wind of God, or the spirit of God came over the formless earth as God was about to speak powerful words so that the earth that was formless and insignificant and had no composite to it, the earth through the spirit of God leading the way was now about to take significant form and shape. The spirit of God The wind of God hoovered over the face of the deep so that when God spoke the word, let there be light, the Spirit of God, the power of God already radiated over the earth so that God's command became reality upon the land. Same word, Ruah. Spirit of God, the wind of God. And now as God is about to repopulate the earth after the flood. As God is about to... to to, to revegetate, to renew and restore after the flood, the scripture says that once again the Spirit of God, the Ruah, the wind of God, passes over the earth. Nothing happens without the Spirit of God. Nothing productive happens, nothing significant happens without God's divine presence. Can you imagine a world without the presence of God? 
Can you imagine lives without God's spirit and God's power at work? Can you imagine living in a community where there are nobody, nobody's praying and nobody's worshiping and no Christians, no believers are there? No, no spirit of God. Can you imagine? But God is not finished yet. God wants Noah to realize what he's doing. God wants Noah to, to be a participant in the process of recognizing that his spirit and his power has gone forth again into the world so that God can restore and renew a earth, a place for man to live so that his name can be honored and revered and glorified. So what does God do? Second point. God move upon the heart of his servant Noah. And Noah, the Bible says, opens the window of the ark. He sends out a raven which went to and fro upon the earth. But then he sends out a dove. The dove came back the first time and Noah reached out his hand. And received the dove. I want you to consider the dove in conjunction with the Spirit of God or the wind of God that went over the entire earth. God wants Noah to realize that his power and his presence and the spirit has already gone over the earth. It's now a place that you can inhabit. It's blessed by God. So Noah sends out the dove. You know, the dove imagery is all over scripture, you know. The imagery of the dove is, is all over scripture. You think of in Old Testament times when the poor did not have a lamb. What did God instruct the poor to do who, didn't, who couldn't afford a lamb? They were instructed to offer a dove. The most peaceful of all creatures we are told. It is said that a dove will not stay in a place where there is frenzy or fighting. The dove disappears. The imagery of the dove is all over scripture. At the baptism of Jesus, the, the, the scripture says that the spirit of the Lord came down, condescended in the image, imagery of what? In the imagery of a dove. And sat upon Jesus. The imagery of the dove. 
the dove symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The dove symbolizes the presence of God. The dove symbolizes the power of God. And here God wants to give his servant Noah evidence that I have blessed the earth again. Uh, my spirit has gone out. I have refreshed the earth. The earth is going to be productive. The earth is going to be a God-blessed place for your habitation. The dove comes back the first time with nothing. What did Noah do? The scripture says that Noah reached out his hand and received the dove, the symbol of God's Holy Spirit. That's what believers are instructed in scripture to do. We are to open up our lives, reach out when the invitation of God is given to receive the blessing of the Spirit. We are to open up our lives and receive the Spirit of God. We can't just sit passively in church. When the word of God is preached, when an invitation to accept God is given, we can't just sit passively and expect that the Spirit is going to come and, and be in our lives and instruct us and teach us and lead us and bless us. Folks, we have a responsibility. We have to reach out. We have to open up our lives when we study God's word and we sense where God is leading us. We sense what God is teaching us from the word. We sense what God expects of us. You know what, folks? The responsibility is ours not to just sit there passively and wait for the Spirit to do, but for us to reach out and open up our lives and invite the power of God's divine Spirit to come into our lives. That's the only way we can become bearers of the fruit of the Spirit. Not through passivity. Not through just wishing. But Noah reached out and received the dove. Did you notice that the second time the dove came, the second time that Noah let the dove out of the ark, that the dove came back with something in her mouth. I want you to keep in mind that the dove represents God did something marvelous. He allowed his spirit, his wind to dry up the waters to make the earth again a place of habitation to renew and restore and bless the earth. But he's giving Noah evidences of his wonderful spirit. 
Isn't God a good God? Now you have been secluded in the ark for so many days, weeks. Now it's time for you to come out of the ark. But I want to reassure you that you are not alone. My spirit has gone forth. Verse 11, Genesis 8 says, Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And look at the next phrase. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. What does the Spirit bring to us as believers? What does the Holy Spirit do for us? A freshly picked olive leaf represents a number of things. First of all, it said to Noah, you are now free to leave the ark. The waters have receded. The waters have dried up. It is now time not just to open the window of the ark, but to open the door of the ark and to get out there. God is giving you freedom into a brand new world. What does the Spirit bring to us, friends? I want to reassure you that the Spirit of God brings freedom to the life of the believer. You know, there are too many believers. Can I, can I say this to you, friends? I see a lot of Christians. Every day I encounter Christians who have a hard time believing and accepting that they are forgiven of their sins. Hard time. In the head, they believe that they are forgiven. They read it in the word. And the word says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. It goes to the head and they say, yes, it is in the word. I read it in the word. But friends, it has not gotten into the heart. I want to let you know today that if it has not moved from the head to the heart and you believe it in your soul and you can shout it out with confidence, then you do not have the assurance. You don't have the freedom. I want to let you know it is the Spirit of God, just like how the dove came back and reassured Noah that life is new and life is glorious. And there is the opportunity of venturing into God's new world. Go and experience freedom. So the Spirit of God wants to reassure us that when we are forgiven, God takes our sins and bury them in the deepest part of the ocean. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are washed. And we are free from our sins in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe it, friends. 
you know how many times the question is asked are you saved <laughs> are you saved you know how many times I hear that question asked and people sit in their seats and they stagger they don't know how to respond am I saved yes I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. I am saved where is the confidence where is the assurance? Where is the complete knowledge in Jesus? This, the, the, the dove brought back to Noah a freshly picked olive leaf. The third time the dove came back, I'm saying it wrong. The dove didn't come back. The third time that Noah let the dove out of the ark, the dove never came back. And in not coming back, Brother Glendon, there is also a beautiful, powerful message. I don't need to come back. God, you have life. Freedom is yours. Folks, I have come by today to remind you that there is freedom when our lives are governed by the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8. Read Romans 8 when you get a chance, today or tomorrow. You read that Romans chapter 8 again, an amazing passage of Scripture. You know what Paul? Paul picks up on the concept of the spirit at work. And Paul says some significant things about the spirit. Number one, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who are after the spirit. Another thing that Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, It is the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God. Did you get that, friends? The Spirit searches the deep things of God. And then number three, he says, The Spirit knows the mind of God. Wow! I just think that those are so deep and, and, and rich and meaningful. Know the mind of God. Which one of us can know the mind of God? Paul says the spirit knows the mind of God. The spirit searches into the deep things of God. And yes, can I tell you that what the spirit really wants to do for us and in us and through us is to reveal to us, show us the deep things of God. That's what the spirit wants to do for us, you know. Show us. 
come on if you will spend time with me come on if you will search the word of God come on if you will lay aside some of your own interests and pursuits and spend a little more time with me each day I will show you the deep things of God so you can enjoy the deep things of God so you can revel in understanding the mind of Jehovah God yes Mm-hmm. That's what the Spirit wants to do for us. I like what Jesus said, you know. Jesus said in St. John chapter 14 and verse 16, And I will pray the Father. I will pray the Father. Jesus didn't say, Now I'm going to sit down by myself and wish. For this to happen. No, no, no. He says, I am going to pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter. He will give you another helper, says another version. He will give you, according to the Greek, he will give you the paracletos, uh, the one who is going to come alongside you, the one who is going to be beside you, to lead you and comfort you and edify you and bless you, your divine earthly companion. I'm going to pray the Father and he is going to grant unto you the blessing of his Holy Spirit. Wow. Folks, the presence of the Spirit will not come unless we pray. Jesus had to, had to pray. What about us? Hmm? And Jesus says that he may abide with you forever. For how long? Forever. God wants his spirit to abide with us forever. Sometimes we doubt that we are going through our valleys in life, our turmoils, our, our sick time, and, and our, our times of deficiency, and material deficiency, and our pain, and our suffering, and we wonder, where is God when I am suffering? Where is God when I need? Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Can I tell you that God is still with you during those times? That he may abide with you, not just when things are well and things are comforting and things are smooth. But the scripture says that God is with us through the spirit forever. But more than that. Not only does God want his spirit to be with us. But the scripture uses something that is awesomely powerful. It says God wants his spirit to be in us. With us and in us. 
Wow! That's amazing. When the Spirit comes and he, he, he is within us, listen friends, He gives us life. Not the lowercase L-I-F-E. But can I tell you that when the Spirit comes into our lives, we have the uppercase L-I-F-E, which is in Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul in Galatians chapter 5. What Paul says about the Spirit, he says, Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh, flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not know the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, and envy and murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul ain't finished yet, you know, friends. Listen to what he says now. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is living within us. Oh, come on, friends. When the Spirit of God, the wind of God, the roar of God that was present in the creation of the world, when there was formlessness and nothingness and no substance, and the Spirit settled over the water, and God spoke, and beautiful, miraculous things happened. When the Spirit of God passed over the earth that was drowned in water and God was ready to recreate as it were a brand new world God's wind again passed over the earth can I tell you friends that God is ready to recreate us too you know what do you think God is after all these all these years what do you think God is after God wants a group of people that are renewed recreated remodeled if you please we are so defective we Paul talks about the heresies and the jealousies and the adultery and all these types of character defects Paul speaks about in Galatians 5 God wants to rule those things out of our lives Then Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is love. Wow. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, 
gentleness, fruitfulness, faithfulness rather, gentleness, self-control against these things. There are no boundaries. No boundaries. No law. That's what the Spirit wants to do in us. To remake us. We walk down the street and we are, we are, we are in the Spirit. We live in our homes through the Spirit. We open our mouths to talk to people and we are governed by the Spirit of God. New men, new women. God's Spirit is crying out to remake us. The story is told of a, a man who had stopped going to church for a long time. And then one day his, his pastor decided to go visit with him. And as the pastor entered the living room of this, this gentleman, he was directed where to sit. And the gentleman of the home came and sat beside the pastor. They were facing the fireplace. And they, the pastor noticed that the fireplace was burning really bright. The wood was burning really bright. Sparkles getting off and Wow, the pastor just sat there and the member sat there and nobody said a word. Five minutes pass, ten minutes pass, fifteen minutes and nobody saying anything to anybody and the, the member is becoming uncomfortable. Why did pastor come here today? What does he really want to say to me? And finally the pastor got up from where he was sitting and he went over to the fireplace and he used the thing and, and, and took up a piece of the wood that had burnt and was lying there in the fire. And he took that piece of coal and he put it by itself, rested it by itself somewhere on the side. And after a few minutes, uh, that piece of wood that previously was just glaring red had now changed color. And was black. No more spark. No more fire. No more heat. And finally the member said. Pastor I get the message. When we are not abiding in Christ. And his word is not abiding in us. When the spirit of God is not the, the, the mighty force and power in our lives. We are certainly growing cold. Weak, yeah. I want to invite you today, friends, to make a recommitment. To the study of God's word. To prayer. To opening up our lives. In the presence of Jehovah God each day. So that his mighty presence can fill us.
His Holy Spirit can baptize us afresh and anew. Just like the dove that brought the freshly plucked olive leaf, a symbol of life, of fruitfulness, of productivity, so our lives can reflect productivity and life. And we are bearers of God's wonderful fruit. This is what I invite you to enjoy in Jesus Christ today. Is it your desire to enjoy that? Is this something you want to you wanna commit yourself to today? As we close with our hymn, can I invite you to, to stand? Our mighty God, you are truly an everlasting God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can pray for the, the powerful presence of your spirit. As the apostles did on, on Pentecost time, Lord, they prayed. And your power was unreserved upon them. So may we live in the light of your spirit. Governed, led, beautified, directed, taught by your spirit. Like Noah, may we reach out our hands and receive the Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray.